There was a time in my life when flipping that house was just a show on TV. It was only a dream and now I'm sitting here singing into a mic my new reality. There are some houses that I wish I never flipped, like the one in Palm Desert that I'm going to lose a bunch of money on. But at the end of the day, it's been quite the flipping trip. Outhouse Flipping HQ will make all your dreams come true. Just stick with us and please don't be mean. It's only happened once so far. And soon you'll create your house flipping machine. This, this, this is the House Flipping HQ Podcast. Giving you the strategies, techniques and inside secrets of house flipping from today's top house flipping experts. Now let's get flipping with your host, Justin Williams. Hey, what's going on, my fellow House Flipping Maniacs? Welcome to episode 30 of the House Flipping HQ podcast. Boy, have we got a show for you today. You are in luck because you are going to be hearing more from me. (laughs) Um, Yes, I'm having more technical difficulties. I was going to be interviewing Mike Simmons of the Just Start Real Estate podcast, and I was having more darn issues. So, Anyway, I'm going to be spending all day tomorrow trying to figure that out. Um, but today, I actually did get the chance to have enough time to interview Brian Davis, who is also from Detroit, just like Mike. And Brian re- just barely put his first house under contract after 58 days of trying. Uh, Brian is in our mastermind group, and those guys are just on fire. I can't believe uh, how how good they're doing and how much action they're all taking. So... I thought, you know, he just announced today that, hey, I just put my first deal under contract and he's super pumped. We're super pumped. He has financing lined up. It's it's just incredible. It makes me, it's just so amazing for me to see everything coming to fruition that uh, I dreamed about. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't happen exactly the way I want it to every day. And there's problems and issues and all kinds of stuff like I'm having even today. Uh, but just like your house flipping business, uh, if you keep pushing forward, uh, good things will come. Just got to keep at it. So before we dive into the meat and potatoes of this episode, I have something really important to talk about. Cookies. Yes, you heard that right. We're going to talk about Girl Scout cookies. So I have boxes and boxes of Girl Scout cookies in my garage, like a wagon full of them. And, you know, my daughter signed up for Girl Scouts, like she's five years old. She signed up uh, several months ago, and the one thing I did not want to be involved in is selling Girl Scout cookies. But of course, that's where we ended up. So my wife took her one day, and they went door to door, and they sold like seven in like two hours. And anyway, so this might be really bizarre, but what I'm going to do is we need to keep getting those podcast uh, interviews on iTunes, ratings and reviews. So I am going to send a box of Girl Scout cookies. You can pick the flavor you want. Uh, whatever you call it. Um, all you need to do is leave us, if you have not yet done so, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. You can go to housekeepinghq.com slash podcast, and that'll take you straight to our iTunes link where you can leave a rating and review, or you can just go to iTunes and look up HQ and you can do it there. And send us your user ID thingy-majig that you use when you leave a rating and review, uh, just shoot us over an email at info at com and your address. <laughs> and I personally or my daughter or my wife or somebody will send you a box of Girl Scout cookies. And we will do that until they are gone. But we really appreciate the ratings and reviews. And it'll help me get rid of these darn cookies. They're really good. But we need to get rid of them or I'm going to gain a lot of weight. Okay. And with that, let's dive right into our flip tip mini interview with Brian, the Take Action Man Davis. All right, everybody. So for today's flip tip, I'm really excited to have Brian Davis. Brian recently joined our mastermind group that we just started a few weeks ago. And this guy is on fire. (laughs) And he just 
today or I don't know if it was yesterday today, but he just recently uh, received his first acceptance um, on a property. So that is super excited. I'm super excited for him. Uh, Brian, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Justin. Thanks for having me on today. Awesome. So give us just a quick background. Tell us a little more about yourself, how you got involved in real estate, how you found whatever, how you found me. And, and uh, we're going to talk about this deal. Okay. Yeah, really quickly. I mean, I've been in construction kind of all my life because my dad owns a construction company. Um, like over the last 30 years, he's probably like renovated about 3000 houses in the city of Detroit. Jeez. And, uh, I kind of like grew up around that environment. And so when I was in high school, like I told you last time, I, um, convinced my parents to, uh, buy a house that they could flip. It was a bigger deal, but it helped me get closer to my school. And so I kind of, I saw them do that and I thought, Oh man, that's really great stuff. Um, I kind of went the complete opposite direction and started going into technology and things. And just recently, you know, I told my wife, I said, Hey, you know, we've got a little bit of money saved up. I want to, you know, do something with this. I don't want to just sitting here. Why don't we like get into real estate? So, um, we thought maybe we buy some rentals and, you know, you know, the, 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 the return doesn't look too good for that type of stuff. Um, and so we ended up deciding that we wanted to flip a house in this, you know, particular neighborhood in Detroit. Um, and so I just looked online and said, you know, I don't know everything. So let me see if I can like find some people who are doing this, you know, inside of iTunes. So I found House Flipping HQ and it was a perfect match for me because the group's really energetic. You know, your, your show's great. I think that, you know, when I first heard it, I think you're on episode probably like, I don't know, 12 or something like that. And uh, just be, the way that Roland came in, I thought, man, like I thought this was like on episode like 4,000 or something. <laughs> it's just like, this is the House Flipping HQ podcast, <laughs> you know. And so anyhow, I know that's kind of not really, that's kind of just side note. But, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's good to know. But yeah, that's my sort of story. And, um, you know, I, I like the group and uh, I like uh, I like listening to the podcast bi- bi-weekly now. Awesome. So, so what made you... Um, how did you find out? What made you join the mastermind group? Just curious. Why did you join it? Because I wanted to, well, I mean, the truth is that I, I had heard that you were doing a lot of systems like with your business and I'm all into systems. Like I told you, you know, we have other startup tech, you know, this tech startup and a couple of other businesses we're running. So I was very interested in figuring out how to systematize our business and as well as just having some accountability because, you know, the problem is, you know, I'm just here in Detroit by myself. I'm yeah. not a part of this sort of, you know, house flipping, you know, community. And so, you know, I joined because of the fact that I wanted to make sure that, hey, I'm going to get on this group and I tell people what I'm doing so that if I don't do it, like they can like, you know, you know. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Huge, huge, huge accountability and collaboration. and Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's what people need. You know, when you're doing something in life, you have to surround yourself with like-minded people because what do they say? Like you're like the average of your, you know, your yeah, friends, the, the, the five people you hang out with the most or something like that. So. Yeah. And I, I kind of think kind of that you're kind of like, I don't know, maybe you're the, you can sometimes be the bottom of all your friends too. You know, like it's really important to like surround yourself with people that are better than yourself. Totally. That's kind of how I like, see like like-minded or have the same goals or, or better or whatever you want to look at. Yeah. I totally, yeah. totally agree. So. Awesome, Brian. Well, it's, it's great having you uh, in the group. So, Brian, tell us about this, this deal that you just got put under contract. Tell us the goods. I want to hear about it. Okay, so we're buying this house uh, in a sort of area of Detroit that has a really high uh, price per square foot, which I guess for us is only $230 a square foot, which is a lot for Detroit. Yeah. And so we're going to be putting on a, uh, an addition onto the property, uh, about 1,500 square feet. The house right now is only 1,000 square feet. Um, so hopefully we can get an ARV up to about, you know, five, five forty-seven or something like that. Awesome. Uh, so, so what did, what did you buy this house for? What did you put it under contract for? Well, uh, we got under contract for 180. 180. Right. Um, okay. And so, then how, okay. And then you're going to, the ARV is going to be how much? About, uh, 547. 547. You're doing an addition. So that's very cool. Right. And I love that you're doing, that's how you helped add the value, right? Because you're able to build for less than what it, it's worth per square foot. Exactly. Which is a great thing in this market. We've done that a ton. You know, it's a great thing to do to add the value and because prices have been going up. So you can add that value and it's a beautiful thing. 
So. Right, exactly. And you know what's interesting is that my investor, you know, he rec he only is interested in doing things that have a sixty uh, percent of the ARV. So he kind of like you know, in some respects, you know, forced me to think you know, kind of more aggressively about the investment uh, because of those sort of you know criteria. Okay, so your investor, um, how are you setting up the financing for this deal? So what we're going to do is we're doing a joint venture between my dad's construction company. And, uh, and this investor, and it's just a 50, 50 split awesome. at the end. Very cool. That's awesome. So yeah, he's, it is. he's putting up all the capital. Yeah. So that was like really, oh, cool. man, that's so cool, Brian. Like yeah. that's just awesome. <laughs> Cause you return on all his capital is what infinite, right? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I'm doing some of this speculative stuff. So uh -huh. like, you know, he's having me pay for the appraisal and play for like the preliminary plan. Sure. Sure. But I think I calculated earlier that if we like, you know, get what I want, it'll be like a twenty eight hundred percent. Exactly. Return, exactly. On what good. you invest with your, you know, a few hundred bucks, right? Or you know, a couple thousand dollars or whatever. So hey, so, okay, so do you mind sharing with us a little more about how you got the deal? I mean, is this from the MLS or direct seller or how did you come across this deal? Yeah, I mean, just MLS. Uh it was very hard to find because we have some pretty aggressive investors here. Right. And I think I think what it is is really just the weather and honesty. Like some That's of the guys awesome. that are like, you know, kind of maybe have pro few properties under contract or they're working on, they just didn't want to come out. And so since it's so cold here, I think that we were able to get this one. Well, I love that you said that because I've heard a lot of people complain about the weather lately in, you know, states where the weather is a problem. And I said, you know what? Use that to your advantage. You know, like a lot of times we look at something like, oh, I can't do this because of this. But I mean, you took lemons and made lemonade, basically, right? I yeah. mean, it's the same for everybody. You know, it's not yeah, like totally. so. That's great. I love that, Brian. So I mean, we got we got like twenty four inches one day, and I was out Jeez. with the realtor, just like, yeah, let's go. Like, this is the day to go. This do is it. the day. You know, like, I, when I bought trusty cells, I would love going on rainy days because <laughs> <yeah, laughs> exactly. there were less buyers. So <laughs> right. So I mean, the funny like the antidote to the story is that like. You know, I just started on 20, December 27th, which was my birthday. And then, you know, in January, I found a perfect property. And because I was just so new to it, I didn't, like, understand that it was such a great deal. And so yeah. I, like, tried to get a, a – I tried to put a, a smaller offer on it and lost it to, like, a cash investor after the weather got better. Uh -huh. And so I've been so, like – I was just using that, like, sort of aggravation as, like, Holy. fire to go and get, like, another one. Because I was just so upset that we lost that first deal. And then, it, you know, obviously it took, like, another, you know, 30 days, basically, to get this one under contract. So – that's but. so cool. I, mean, I think you said 58 days from the time you started till you right. got with this one under contract. And now your goal is to lessen that on the next one, right? But yeah, uh, but that's incredible for just getting started. Yeah, I'm su I'm just super stoked. Now, okay, so <laughs> I Brian, I see so many investors that for like two to three years are going to clubs and meetings and seminars, but they never make anything happen. They never take action. What is something that helped cause you to take this action that that helped you achieve this success so quickly? Well, I mean, I just want it. And so I just, I, you know, and you're, you're motivating me a lot. You know, I listen to your stuff, you know, driving around all the time. And I just say, you know what, just go do it. Because I mean, you could sit there and contemplate something all forever and never totally. like actually make any action. And, and then you'll just, I don't know, it's this really funny quote. It says like, you know, there, there are two types of people. Like one, you know, there, there are some people that, that say, oh, it'll be okay. And, and they do absolutely nothing about it. And then there's some people that, you know, they, they say, oh, well, we won't do anything about it. Like, everything will be okay. I, I can't remember the quote exactly, but the only point is you have to take action. Totally. And yeah. I can't agree more. And, you know, it's important to learn the basics, but then you got to, there's only so much that you can learn without actually getting out there and, and making it happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, right. I mean, the basics for you, like, and I, I really like the way you guys look at things like, okay, get something under contract. What is that going to cost you? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. All you have to do is go get the property under contract. And if it's a good deal, you can shop it around and see if you can actually find the money. Yeah. And, and, but, and if it takes you a while to get something under contract, then you're learning along the way. You know, so you're getting a free education, basically. So Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, that's what happened with the first deal. Like, it took me, I couldn't actually find the capital for the first deal. But, you know, because I was shopping for it, I found this investor that wanted awesome. to hook up with me on the, on the next one. And that's how I've raised most of my money. I'll call a bunch of people and then most of the people I call for the first time aren't ready that first time, but then right. they'll call me back or I'll call them back or they refer someone else to me. And that's, that's awesome, Brian. Yeah. All right, Brian. Well, uh, really appreciate it. Do you have any final words for anybody out there? Um, looking to get going? Yeah, just get out there and do it because you literally have nothing to lose. And, you know, 
you have to live while you're still alive. You know, you have to like get out there and do this because it's something that's that's worth uh, worth taking the risk on. So very cool, Brian. Well, Brian, I'm excited to keep working with you uh, in the mastermind group. I know we're in touch just about every day. So yeah, that's very cool. I'm excited to hear about this deal, man. We're going to be here for you, cheering you on and helping you out when uh, when you need help, because we always are going to need help, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Always. All right, Brian. Well, yeah. Why don't you let us know um, how anyone can get in touch with you there in Detroit, if they're in the area or if anyone just wants to reach out you out to you in general and stay in touch? Yeah, for sure. I mean, my email address is it's Brian, B-R-I-A-N at Bamboo, B-A-M-B-O-O, Detroit.com. So the plant, Bamboodetroit.com. And uh, my phone number, actually call me because I'm serious about this and I want to connect with anyone out there. Uh, my number is area code 248-470-6280. Again, it's 248-470-6280. So yeah, I look forward to talking with anyone who wants to talk deals or even like, you know, try and find investors or projects together. Very cool. Very cool. All right, Brian, we will see you in the mastermind group then. Nice, nice talking. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. I appreciate you too, Justin. All right. We'll, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that short interview. You know, I, I love bringing on people with experience and who have been in the business a long time, but I also think it's equally important from time to time to bring on people who are just getting started. So you can see from their example, you can see someone who's just making it happen. And Brian's just out there and just doing what he's supposed to be doing. And he landed the deal. I mean, within 58 days, which I think is pretty quickly, but that's, you know, he, he's, he was going for it. And I love that he did not let anything stop him. He used the weather to his advantage. Use everything to your advantage. What's bad is good and what's good is bad. You know, what someone else might look at bad, you got to find out how you can make that good for you. So Good for you, Brian. I'm super proud of you. I mean, it's just super cool to see these guys in my mastermind groups. I feel like they're dad, you know, it's like, it makes me so proud to see these guys making things happen. We got guys, you know, getting offers accepted and making offers and doing direct mail and connecting with people. And it's just a beautiful thing. So uh, anyway, for those of you who are not aware, we will be doing another webinar and we'll be discussing the mastermind group in that webinar. That'll be March 6th, um, 6 p.m. 9 Eastern. You go to housemanghq.com slash webinar to sign up. I will be talking specifically in that webinar about acquisitions. I'll really focus on the acquisition side of our business. And then we'll get into that mastermind um, discussion. I'll just, I'll just explain the group and how it works and how it costs about the same for a lifetime membership right now as like a one day seminar. Uh, that's only for now, you know, we'll go, time up, we'll go up over time, nothing crazy. We, we always try to keep it very affordable. That's kind of one of my goals here is to provide that community where you don't have to pay, you know, $25,000 for a membership. So, um, and then after that, we'll get into Q and a, you can ask me any questions you want. So go to housewomenhq.com slash webinar, and we will see you there. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the main event with Justin Williams. So the title of today's podcast is Five Tips to Create a Five-Hour Work Week with Your House Flipping Business. Now, I actually took this, uh, Danny Johnson from FlippingJunkie.com recently asked me to give a, to do a guest post for him. So I actually took this, I just finished it today. So I took that title straight from the guest post, but I think it's going to be really valuable to you guys as well. So look out for that on, on FlippingJunkie.com here in the next few days. But I wanted to talk about those things on on the podcast today because I think they're incredibly value, valuable. If you guys haven't noticed, you don't need to be able to speak properly to flip houses. Okay, I just wanted to clear that up from the get-go. So, <laughs> okay, so starting out, many of you know that, uh, you know, in, in October of 2010, uh, I decided that I was going to start building this rental portfolio. You know, I'd flipped or wholesaled like 40 properties in the previous three years or whatnot. And um, you know, I was kind of at a 
time when I was just kind of having transitioning a lot and kind of having a little bit of struggle. And I thought, you know, I've got to get this rental, passive rental income going. I'd heard a lot of people say that, you know, flipping houses, you can make big profits, but it's still a job. Once you flip one, you got to go find the next one. And then you're always at the job and it's working hard and managing contractors. And it's just not a passive income. And so even though rentals weren't a very big return, that you could eventually create this passive income that wasn't a lot of work. And so I, I went for it. And in four months, I got 12 properties and I ran out of money. Ran out of my money, ran out of my private investor's capital as well. And sure, I could have gone and tried to raise some more capital and, and kept going. But you know, I was up against a time crunch. I had, I had bills to pay. And these properties were only bringing in a total of a few hundred bucks a month after paying the hard money expenses and everything. And it just, I had to do something. So what I decided to do was I took the four properties that I had not rented out yet. And I sold those properties. I flipped those. Now, I didn't think much about it at the time. I was just disappointed that I had to sell these houses you know, that I wanted to keep. But after selling them and then making you know whatever the profits that we made from it, I realized several things. Selling those four properties did a few things for me. Besides giving me back my personal invested capital, it also allowed me to reuse my private investor's capital. And I made enough income to take care of my monthly, my family's monthly needs for around a year, at least a year. It also made me realize the incredible return on my investment, uh, not to mention financial freedom that could come from flipping houses. I mean, the wheels in my head just started to turn. It was like, what if I could do this every month? I mean, the amount of financial freedom that I was trying to achieve monthly could have been increased incredibly. And if I could do this for several months in a row or a year, I mean, I could pay for several years of my, our, my family's needs. You know, it, it, just, it was just mind boggling. The, the change, the paradigm shift I had um, from flipping those four houses. It was, it was crazy. So now the problem or hurdle, whatever you want to call it, however, was still, you know, as everybody said, House flipping is a job. So I thought, okay, I've read books like The E-Myth. I had read The 4-Hour Workweek where they teach you about the systems you can put together and cre- actually create a business that will work for you rather than you just work for it. And I thought, why can't this be done with house flipping? And I started breaking it down and thinking about all the moving pieces and bit by bit started to try to make sense to see see if I could make that work out, see if I could make that, systematize that business. And you know, as you know, as the story goes, <laughs> uh, you know, we're sitting here, fast forward to today, and I'm happy to report that since asking myself that very significant question, we've flipped you know, over 250 houses. You know, If you count the ones we have under contract, it's like two... 75 the ones we have we haven't closed on yet or have under contracts like 275 since that time and we're currently doing it close to 100 a year and i currently spend five to ten hours a week on my house flipping business now it depends you know if you consider the podcast yeah i spend a lot more time on this and stuff and does that has that brought me business help yes okay but specifically on my house flipping business i mean i could spend a few hours a week if i want i can leave for a month and my house flipping business will still run at a, a pretty high volume. Now, has doing that been easy? No, it hasn't. I'm not here to claim that. You know, that's what a, a typical guru would be up here saying, oh, it's easy, this and that, that's how you do it. Here's our box and there you go. You're going to go make millions. No, it takes some work to replace yourself every day. You know, it's, it's a big job to not have a job, right? And even still then, I believe there's a certain level of, of maintenance. That's why I call it the you know five-hour house flipping work week. Instead of the never work again house flipping work week, you see, I don't know if anyone's read the book, Who Moved My Cheese, but you, know, you see companies um, like, uh, like Blackberry or uh, you know, the, the movie stores, uh, you, know, you see all these companies that don't continue to innovate and think of new things and eventually they go out of business or they lose a lot of business to a competitor. So you always need to be innovating. Your house flipping machine is always going to need a certain level of maintenance. However, if you can create these systems, then that maintenance is going to be maintenance and not going to be a full-time job. 
So of course, there are a lot of little things I do in my business, and you've probably heard me talk about some of those. But today, I'm going to share specifically with you five tips that maybe I may have mentioned one or two of them before. You might know a little bit about it. But I'm going to detail about five tips that if you apply these things, if you apply one of these into your house flipping business, you'll save hundreds of hours. Now, whether you are already on their journey to your house flipping business or you're just getting started, these tips will be huge for you because it'll allow you to either grow your business or um, if you're just getting started, it'll allow you to grow your business. <laughs> or at least, you know, for some, if you're not ready to apply all of them today, you don't have to apply all of them right away. But whichever ones you're ready to apply, one or two, that'll be huge for you. And then you can add the other ones later as you go. Or you, it'll just help you. My goal is to help you think outside the box and think of different things you can do. Not just these things, but this will help you kind of get your brain going on on just, it's your game to play, you know? You are the master of the game. You're the, the maker of this game. And it'll bring you some pretty real profits. It's a lot better than, you know, Monopoly or anything like that. But you make the rules, you know, have fun with it. And just believe in the game that you come up with. If that makes sense. It makes sense to me because I, I play this game every day. It's a lot of fun. Quit rambling already. Get on with the show. Oh, okay, okay. Here we go. Tip number one. Let others do the legwork on acquisitions. So a, a quick note for those of you who are just starting out, if you have yet to make any offers on any house or analyze any houses, you want to analyze as many properties as you can. Look at it as like a, a really a hardcore boot camp education. Look at as many houses as you can, analyze as many deals as you can. Okay, so that's my disclaimer to tip number one. But I see so many experienced investors who Every day, they just hop on the MLS and start analyzing properties and shooting out offers. Or maybe they'll even have an agent that will send them uh, just random listings on the MLS. And then they start analyzing deals and sending out offers. And I mean, it just takes time to do that. You know, you got to find the deal, get on the MLS, sift through them, comp them out. And, you know, if you're looking at the houses, you got to look at the houses or out paperwork and it just it takes a lot of time you can only do so much and how can you really focus on growing your business if you're spending so much time on the minutiae of all these details not to mention in you know in today's market you, you got to make a lot of offers or you know it takes a lot of time to to do that and then do the follow-up so let others do the legwork on acquisitions what i mean by that is if you have an agent make them do all the legwork. You know, if they are submitting offers on your behalf, make them come up with the after repaired value. Make them come up with the repair estimate. Make them come up with the sales cost and any other holding cost based off of the criteria that you give them and make them come up with the offer that you are going to be presenting. Now, this isn't going to happen the first day you call them. No, you got to work with them. You got to train them what you're looking for. But they are the agent. They should know that area. They should know those ARVs better than you. Yes, that's right. After you train them and help them understand the value that can be added, assuming they know that area, they should know that better than you. And our agents, at least the ones we've been working with for a while, they do know it better than us. They And they work with our contractors, so they know the repairs just as well as we do. And they're able to do so much of that legwork so that when they bring a deal to me, it's already basically under contract. Uh, and, and, you know, we're at that point right now. But before you get to that point, kind of the middle ground is at least have them send you all the information that they can. And, you know, the first 10 to 20, go through that information and make sure they're spot on. And after 20 in a row that they're like spot on, you're on the same page, then you can just have them come up with it and just know that their numbers are right. And then you have, you know, that week-long inspection period or whatever you include as your, your inspection that just in case, you know, they put something under contract and something happens, you, you have something to fall back on. Now, that's never the goal. You never want to go in there with the intention of backing out. But you have that, that fallback if you need it. And that will allow you to have the confidence in them to make those offers for you and do all of that legwork that's really going to help you save hundreds and hundreds of hours. Now, the same thing applies to wholesalers, bird dogs, uh, anyone in-house who's making offers for you. 
make them or teach them how to do all of that legwork for you and fill out that paperwork will save you so much time in your acquisitions funnel. I mean, just imagine if you're only analyzing properties that are under contract. Is that Would that not be sweet or what? I mean, that's the point where we're at right now. You may not get there in a week or a month, but work towards that. At the beginning, just let them do as much of the legwork as you possibly can. It might take a little bit of time training them up front, but I promise you it'll happen much faster than you think, and the results will be amazing. And the reality is, you'll be able to get a lot more offers out overall because you're going to be working and overseeing several people doing all that legwork. And you're just going to get a lot more lines in the water, a lot more chances of catching that fish and buying more houses. You know, I do not necessarily have this magic formula or wand. People always ask me, what's your secret? I don't really have a specific secret to buy a lot of houses each month. I just have several people out looking for me. So versus myself, who's busy running my business and doing a bunch of other things, trying to find a few hours a week to look for deals, I have several people out there that are spending almost full time looking for deals for me. And that's how we're able to buy the high volume of houses that, that we're able to buy in today's market. Now, my second tip for you is to use a rehab price list. Now, most investors know you should streamline your rehab process by using the same materials on as many houses as you possibly can. Uh, but very few use a price list. When I started rehabbing properties on a larger scale, I started to see many similarities on the bids we were receiving. I noticed we were paying close to a dollar per square foot uh, based on the total size of the house for paint. I also noticed that laminate wood flooring was running us right around 235 for materials and installation per square foot. Now that wasn't based on the total size of the house, of course, it was just based on where we were installing it. So it was a little different for that. And eventually I started to see other similarities for things like carpet and tile, exterior paint, cabinets, fixtures, uh, and, and much more. I mean, everything had this about price. However, we were still haggling for bids and sometimes getting multiple bids because we felt like maybe that one was high and whatnot. And it was just taking so much time and it just didn't make any sense. It didn't make sense for us. It didn't make sense for the contractors. We end up paying about close to the same amount anyway. So I just had this idea one day to come to start writing down all these numbers and come up with a price list. You know, now I started out with the things that I was pretty sure of and the other things we added over time and it built over time. And, you know, we use this price list on about 85% of our houses and the other ones we can use at least part of the price list. You know, they're, they're a little more custom and, you know, we're still have to uh, check out some things on that because the prices are a little bit different. But this price list has saved us so much time. And we never haggle or negotiate with our contractors. Prices never creep up. The contractor doesn't have to wonder if he's going to get the job based on his bid. And we never have to get more than one bid. I mean, it saves us a ton of st time and stress. And, you know, occasionally there's a few small items that we may need to, that, that may not be included in the list, but it's simple. I mean, we just, hey, hey this is gonna cost us. Okay, sounds good. If we have a question or an issue, we let them know. So tip number two is if you do not have one already, use a rehab price list. Oh, and you can go to, um, if you wanna see an example of ours, you can go to our website, housewomenhq.com, and on the sidebar, you will see, um, you know, it says get six amazing house flipping reports and tools for free. So I'm just reading it actually. <laughs> um, and it has a, a bunch of resources here, but at the, the second to last one is the rehab price checklist. So click on that, put in your email and we'll shoot it over to you and you'll get all those awesome tools. Okay. Tip number three, I titled put those agents to work. <laughs> now these days I rarely look at any of the houses that we buy and sell. It goes through the whole process. I rarely see any of them. And my assistant, Vanessa, actually these days doesn't look at a lot of them either. She'll look at some of them, but she doesn't look at a lot of them anymore either. Um, and believe it or not, I don't even have a project manager. Crazy, I know, but not really. Instead, I use um, 
my general contractors and agents as my project managers. I've come to the conclusion that the combination of a general contractor and an agent are perfect as a project manager. It's the perfect match. And it's actually much more efficient. Uh, plus, it saves me paying a project manager's salary or giving up those additional profits. You know, my agents don't just make offers on houses and list them and sell them for me, but they also help me manage these projects. Yes, you heard that right. My agents help manage my rehab projects. Okay, so how is this done? I mean, first off, you gotta understand, you gotta have a really good general contractor. It's the combination of the two. You, you all know that I, I'm not a fan of managing 20 subs per project. I like one general contractor, I prefer him to do multiple jobs, and that is the way I like it. So I figure, okay, this guy, he's, a, he's the uh, general contractor, he knows how to fix up houses, he knows how to make them look good, I'm just going to give him 100% responsibility, I'm basically make him part of the team, look, he gets all my work, you better do a dang good job. And I've gone through more than one. You know, if they don't work out, I go to the next one. But so far, you know, recently we've, we've had some really good ones um, that have, have done really well for us. So they just have a really high expectation. I treat them almost as I would a project manager. But I'm just giving them a ton of work and that's their payment. I mean, after all, they're responsible for doing the job. Why not make them do the job? Why hire somebody else to pay a $50,000 salary to to do the job the general contractor should be doing anyway. Okay, I know this title was titled, Put the Agents to Work. So let's get back to the agents. Now, I use that combination as kind of like a checks and balances. The agent is also very highly motivated and I put him 100% responsible for the project as well. So the agent usually has found the deal or he's you know at least seen the deal, knows that we're getting, we're working on the project. If it's occupied, I have him work with the occupant um, maybe he's already spoken to them in the negotiations or, you know, if they're the owner or maybe the owner told him about them, you know, because, oh, I didn't tell you, I have my agents take a lot of my seller calls too. So my agents are making offers for me. They're taking the seller calls and it's just kind of a natural transition for them to then handle that, uh, you know, if the house is, is occupied. If it's not, they want to go look at the house anyway. Uh, if we get it under contract so they can kind of run their numbers and make sure they, that, you know, it looks like a good deal. So, you know, it's kind of a natural, once again, a step into then working with our contractor. They just, they contact our contractor. The contractor comes over. The agent already has an idea of what it's going to cost for repairs because we teach them that, as I mentioned before. And then they have the contractor come over and they'll finalize anything they need to and just double check some things. So then the contractor does their thing. Our agents and contractors know what we're going to do on all the houses. Uh, they do their thing. And then, you know, the agent has to schedule uh, pictures anyway and do the listing anyway in the description. So they naturally are going to want to go over to the house uh, anyway. So what we do is we have them do a final walkthrough. And it's just kind of a checks and balances. They kind of make sure everything looks great with the house. If there's any small things that the contractors didn't do, uh, they coordinate that with them and they make sure it gets done. So, and then we also let them, hey, don't, you know, get it done 100%. So we might have to remind them every once in a while. But contractors kind of have this idea that I've heard several say, oh, I'm not a house cleaner. It's like, okay, you're not the house cleaner, but if you want my work, you better make sure this house gets clean. So get a house cleaner. When you're done, make sure they clean up your garbage. <laughs> get the house clean, you know? And if, if you believe that that's the way it has to be done, then they'll believe as well. And, and they're not going to balk at that if it's going to cause them to get the work. So we just have them rather than take it 98% of the way, they take it all the way. And then the agents is kind of like the checks and balances between that. And our agents will also, if they need to go buy the house to check on something, they will. Our agents also do things like put up you know, lock boxes and signs in the yard and all those little things. You know, I, I know I mentioned signs in the yard. Of course, they're listing it. So they're going to put signs in the yard. But all those little things, they'll coordinate the lawn mowing. They, all this plays, they're interested in all this. They're showing the house anyway. Why not have them do all those small items? And so those are the things we work out with them. And we don't give them anything extra. It's just a great relationship. You know, I've helped my agents. I help them grow their business. And, you know, they, they'll do whatever I need them to do because I'm giving them 
all of my business. I'm giving them all the business and it's worth, it's just a great relationship. It's almost like a partnership, but without that 50-50 where you get half of my business, but you know, it's just, nah, those partnerships are, are tough. So it's a little bit different in the fact that they know they're getting their commission, you're getting your profits, you're taking the risk, but whatever. So uh, anyway, bottom line is we use, use our agents, use your agents. If there's a way that you can use your agents more, then do it. And you know, you may not contact an agent right out of the gate and say, okay, I want you to buy me houses and do this and this and this and this and this. But over time, you can develop that relationship. And there's some things that they're going to be totally okay with. And some things are like, oh, I don't know about that. And be like, you know, why, well, why not? It's just, you know, just can you check on this for me while you're there? And then over time, you, uh, you just kind of have them do more and more. And, you know, you want to make sure it's mutually beneficial. And uh, I, I think that you'll really get a lot out of this tip. Okay, goodbye. Okay, so tip number four is what I call avoiding the paperwork pileup. If any of you are making offers or are running, you know, a, a, even a minimal volume in your real estate business, you'll know that there is a ton of paperwork to fill out. You got contracts to sign, things to notarize, paperwork to fill out. It just goes on and on. And then you're like printing off and faxing and signing and faxing. And it's just Oh my goodness, it takes so much time and it's such a distraction. I mean, the, the distraction is almost worse than the time it takes because it's like you get going on one thing and then all of a sudden you get this urgent thing that needs to be signed. It's just, oh. So I had just gotten to a point about three years ago where I had enough of it. And I contacted several colleagues and you know said, hey, what can I do? And I didn't really get any feedback. And I was like, oh, no, nothing you can really do. You just got to do it. You know, it is what it is. And I was like, no, it can't be right. You know, I see these huge companies and I thought the CEOs of these huge companies are not signing and filling out every little piece of paperwork. There's got to be a way I can have other people you know, fill out this paperwork for me. So I mentioned this to my accountant, what I wanted to do. And he was like, yeah, you know, I, I think that's doable. He's like, hey, I, I know a pretty good real estate attorney. Let me have him get in touch with you. So for $500, I this attorney created this document for me. He asked me, what what do you want th to happen here? So I, we talked about it, went back and forth, and I let him know that I want them to be able to sign documents for me. I want them to be able to you know, notarize things, get things notarized for me on behalf of the company. And I wanted them to be able to negotiate because in a real estate transaction, only a real estate agent or the principal can actually do the negotiation. But I wanted, you know, Vanessa or you know someone else, if I gave them authority, to be able to do those negotiations for me because I didn't want to be taking those calls and, and handling that stuff. So he created this document in which is a part of my now corporate docs, and I can sign one of these and give authority to any person I want to in my business to do these things for me. Or I can change it up to only give them certain uh, abilities to do certain things. So it's really cool. I mean, the best $500 I've ever spent. <laughs> well, you know, I could set up a lot of things. But um, it saved me, once again, hundreds and hundreds of hours. And I do very, very, very rarely fill out or sign any paperwork these days. It's very minimal. It's just, this has saved me hundreds of hours. So this may not be for everybody right up front. Uh, and, and once again, I am not an attorney. I am not giving any legal advice or professional advice in this manner. I'm just sharing some information and giving you some ideas of some things that we have done in our business that have helped me save a lot of time. So the goal is to think of things that can save you time. And if something like this makes sense for you to do in the, the place where you're at, then, then great. Try it out. You know, it might, it might work well for you as well. Okay. My last tip, tip number five is hire or outsource the busy work. So while this might seem obvious at first, I still see a lot of house flippers and just business owners in general trying to take on the day-to-day -day busy work in their business. I will tell you right now that I have known anyone I've known and interacted with from hundreds of entrepreneurs through the years, the one thing I've come to realize is that it is impossible to really streamline and grow your business if you have your hand in every part of the machine. You know, if you're going to be a good business owner, you need to focus on the bigger picture and on looking for opportunities to grow and innovate your business. So, I mean, you're not sure where to get started at this? Well, just start with the small 
easy or low paying tasks. You know, the types of things that are easy to train someone on and then grow from there. Um, in fact, I forbid you to ever stuff another envelope, lick another stamp, turn on utilities, get insurance, enter, do all the data entry for, you know, QuickBooks or whatever, forbid you to do these things anymore. <laughs> um, you know, you want to know some other, the, the big time sucks that, that take that I see on a regular basis, you know, going to the bank to send wires. Uh, you can you can get it to where you can send these wires on your own or have someone you can get someone who can send them for you. But you can send them from your house, okay? Um, uploading and inputting information on the MLS or taking pictures, posting Craigslist ads, putting up signs, putting up lock boxes on houses, going to mow lawns or fix toilets. <laughs> of course, don't do. I hope we're beyond any of the fixing property stuff. If you're doing that, you're like, oh, stop now, please. Okay. A little side note there. Um, taking calls from agents to show houses, meeting with locksmiths to change locks, meeting for lockouts, dealing with evictions. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. You really need to look at every little thing that goes on in your business and try to see what can you eliminate. You know, in the book E-Myth, it talks about creating your business outline of everything that's involved in your business and then assigning those roles uh, to different people. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, just totally ad-libbing here, but, and that might be you on some of those, but eventually you want to replace yourself over time. So it's okay if you're doing some of the things that you're passionate about or think you're the best at for now, but get rid of as much as you can and then continue to grow from there because it's impossible to be the business owner and innovator and entrepreneur and the mind, the creative mind to continue to educate and innovate and grow your business and scale and create those systems and take to the next level if you're so focused on the small day-to-day -day tasks. So you really have got to outsource it. If you're doing direct mail, outsource it. There's so many great companies that will do that for you or at least hire somebody and you know pay them if, if they're young, you know whatever minimum wages. Uh, and that's something that anybody can do. So you should not be doing those things. Uh, let someone else do those for you. And if you're getting bogged down by some of these menial tasks, you know, consider hiring an assistant. Start with someone part-time and give them the easy stuff first. You can imagine, can you imagine what it could do for you if you could save an extra 10 to 20 or more hours per week to allow you to focus and grow your business? It could be some pretty amazing things, right? Okay, well, those are the five tips I have for you uh, to help you work towards creating your five-hour house flipping work week or at least, you know, really expanding your business. You know, this, I often hear or, or use, you know, the 10 times mindset, growth mindset. And these are, these are the things you, items you got to be thinking of. You know, always be thinking of how can I increase my productivity by 10 times? And at the same time, what you're doing is you're allowing yourself that freedom. You know, it kind of goes both ways. It, I once heard Tim Ferriss be interviewed about a four-hour work week, and the guy's like, can you really work four hours a week? He's like, yeah, you can, but the idea is to 10x your, yourself. So if you want, you can still work 40 hours a week, but you can accomplish 10 times the amount of stuff. Or you can choose to only work four hours a week, or, you know, whatever. But the bottom line is you got to have that mindset. You got to think big like that. I also once heard someone say, that they won't do, they don't want to do anything that they don't think Donald Trump would do. And, you know, okay, that, whatever, that's, uh, some of you may, whatever you think about Donald Trump, but that, I don't know if that's a good example or not. But the point is, you got to think big. You know, uh, another quote, <laughs> you know, if you're going to think, you may as well be thinking big, right? We're all, we all think anyway, why not think big? So, all right, that, that, those are my quotes for today. Um, get out there, keep systematizing things, you know, Take action, whether it's if you're just getting started, start making those offers. If you've been making offers over time, then start making those relationships with those agents and start teaching them what you're looking for. Get at least one other person out there making offers for you. If you have a bunch of minutiae and stuff going on, hire someone part-time. You know, I mean, it might be a little bit of a sacrifice up front, but if they allow you to continue to grow your business, it'll definitely pay off. All right, guys. Well, that is all I have for you today. If you have any questions or comments for me uh, regarding this episode, you can head over to housewingHQ.com slash episode 30. 
and you know, write, write down your thoughts. If you know of anything else that you think would help people streamline or systematize their house and business that has helped you, share your thoughts or other tips that you've heard about. Would love to hear about it. So, okay, really quick before we close, I, I know you guys have heard me talk about the mastermind uh, group a lot, and I really, I really try not to come across as too salesy. I hope that it comes across, but at the same time, you know, I, it is my goal to create the best house flipping uh, mastermind community for the most affordable price available. Just today, I had uh, someone I know who emailed me, he's like, hey, I went to this one thing with this one group and they're charging $25,000 for their mastermind program. He's like, do you think I should join? And I'm like, and I'm very familiar with these guys. And I'm like, yeah, you should join if you want to uh, continue to go to seminars to get upsold on thousands and thousands of more dollars and other programs and this and that, uh, then yeah, you know, knock yourself out. And you know, the interesting thing is, Yet mastermind groups are so important, you know, meeting and connecting with like-minded people who share the same vision and dream. Education is huge. You got to get, I'm glad you guys are listening to this podcast. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're getting a lot out of it, but having that accountability and people that you can network with and ask questions to on a daily basis, you can interact with me on a regular basis. Uh, it's, it's a huge thing. And you know what? That's what keeps house Spring HQ going as well. Uh, you know, we are trying to run a business here. Um, and that's what sustains it. So I hope you can check that out. Go to housefamilyhq.com slash webinar to sign up for the next webinar. And hopefully you get a lot of value out of the webinar. And then you can learn more about the, uh, the mastermind group as well. So we got a bunch of great guys and gals in there who are really taking some serious action. And I love the results already of what's happening. And we're continuing on a daily basis to add more videos, and training tutorials. I, so far, I have about five or six videos of me comping properties. And now we're going to be working on the rehabs. And we're just going to keep going from there. So my goal is to give you everything that, that we can, everything that we have um, in every way that we can. And uh, yeah, check it out. HowSomethingHQ.com slash webinar. And we'll see you on the inside. All right, guys. Well, that is a wrap. Uh, here on episode 30. Uh, hopefully I can get my technical issues figured out and we will be interviewing uh, Mike Simmons in episode 31. At least that is the plan of Just Start Real Estate. So our goal is to kind of go over an episode with you on just talking about just starting for anyone who's just starting. And the truth is people who are even going will learn a ton because we're always restarting. You know, I Whenever I'm kind of having a lull in my business, I get back to the basics. I, I go to someone who's teaching the basics and I learn from them. So, alrighty, y'all have a fantastic week. I love you all. You're awesome. You rock. Thanks for the support. Uh, it means the world to me. And we will see y'all on the flip side. Bye-bye. This has been the House Flipping HQ podcast. Your, your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom. Check out amazing tutorials, blogs, how-tos, and other inspiring podcasts with house flipping experts at houseflippinghq.com. Houseflippinghq.com. At House Flipping HQ. We'll make all your dreams come true. Just stick with us and please don't be mean. And soon you'll create your house flipping machine.